presence of the Lord is rich in this place. Thank you, brothers, for coming. I believe you guys consider your home California, California's home. Thank you. Appreciate you so much. Wherever the, where'd the other brother go? He, he just went so, I know I, whenever I call him somebody, they have to go. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is every time, every time. But I appreciate you guys. We have been meeting a lot of organizations throughout this season, and they just are an encouragement to us. So thank you so much. Uh, open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and as you are turning there, I just want you, if you're not following my, my personal Facebook page, uh, please do so. Check it out. I'll be your friend. We could be friends, okay? Not frenemies, but friends. And uh, I want you to see what God did while we were partnered with Every Black Life Matters yesterday, and we were also out there with uh, Rescue Chicago, a group of abolitionists standing against abortion. So those three groups out there in total, and guess who came by? The mayor. It was not planned. She came by. And I felt so bad for the preacher at the time, but I was like, yo, give me the mic, give me the mic. And our brother right here, he got it, and I put it up. So please watch that and pray for the mayor. I really felt like the Lord gave me the right words. I didn't want to come on hinge and be like, Mayor, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Start speaking in tongues and, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, I, I just felt the Lord just gave me a piece, and I just wanted her attention. And I was like, Mayor, I respected her. I honored her. I said, you remember us? We're Metro Praise International. You tried to shut us down. Remember us? Here we are in the community. And I, and I just know she heard us because all she just kept walking, but all her staff around us was just, around her was just looking dead at us, wondering, like, what are we going to do? What are you crazy Christians going to do? No, we're not going to hurt you. We're going to help you. But we're going to tell you the truth. And I've always said if I had the chance, that's what I would say to her. And, uh, you know, to tell her about the kingdom of God and about repentance and these things. So pray for us as we continue to have favor to do that because you could not have planned that perfectly, more perfectly. It was the Lord's divine will. And I don't know if in her mind she thought, oh, because uh, maybe she had advertised she was going there. Maybe they came out there to, to confront her. That was not it. We were already out there doing ministry, and we go out to that corner all the time. So she, she's the visitor out there. That's like our second home, Amen. And, man, I just want to say that I can just tell, because there was somebody that was following her that when I made some good points, raised his hand and said amen. And he wasn't mocking. He was not mocking. So let's just pray even right now for her salvation, and let's pray for the people around her to get woke to the things of God. Amen? Father, we lift up to you our mayor in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you to convert her, to change her heart and mind, and to yield her spirit to you, O oh Father God. You said you have the heart of a king in your hand, and you can move that heart like waters, O oh Father. We pray you do that. We pray you will use also the people around her to speak words of wisdom and truth, like how Daniel and his friends had the ear of the leaders of Babylon. Raise up Daniels around her in the name of Jesus. And every wicked policy that has come from the Spirit, spirit of darkness through her, we rebuke in Jesus' name. Everything against your kingdom, we rebuke. We use the authority you have given us, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to switch it up. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. I guess this message is going to be for the second service that I had planned, because right there the Lord put something on my heart. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I had an entirely different message that I was going to preach. Uh, we are, if you are new to our church or visiting, we're going through a time where the Lord just gives me the word impromptu. We generally go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible. We just finished a long one through the book of Revelation. Just so you guys may know, uh, I, I feel the Lord leading me to do a sermon series on John and Galatians at the same time. And, and let me just share with you what happened during this season. So normally, you know, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, I just felt the Lord say, come on Sunday and I'll give you a word. And so I either get it in my car ride and then write it down when I get here, or I just get it in the back while I'm waiting. There's the word, you know, and that, that, that might be for second service. That might just been for me. We'll see. Uh, but then I just really got so free because preaching the same message twice to me is a little bit boring. That second time, I feel like I'm forcing it. It just doesn't feel the same. So I thought maybe do something creative, preach different messages. And that's what we've been doing during this season. So each service 
service gets a different message. Each service. So make sure you check out the app, the podcast, and all of that. But here's another thing. Never have done this. Now that I feel we're going to go back into books of the Bible verse by verse, I think I'll do like maybe pick one, John, first service, go through that verse by verse by verse, and then second service, go through Galatians. Wouldn't that be exciting? Amen? And you're like, well, I want the one that I'm not in. Okay, well, that's why we got the podcast. So you can stay for the second service. Okay, so don't get discouraged. But, I, man, I was sensing this in my heart, and I just feel the Lord is going to have me go in this direction. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to share some things that I believe are going to be appropriate. Start in verse 10. Today's message for this service is going to be spiritual warfare. Somebody say spiritual warfare. Thank you. I want to read the passage here, and then I want to go into a little bit of depth here. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Somebody say the full armor. Thank you. The full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. And now we get it. Let's all just stand up. You can put down your Bibles right now. We're going to do some Holy Ghost aerobics. You guys want to do this? Everybody come on, stand up here. We're going to put on the full armor, and we're just going to do the motions, okay? Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Come on, everybody put on the buckle of truth. Amen. You're going to put on the buckle of truth, the belt of truth, rather, with, you know, buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Come on, somebody put on that breastplate of righteousness. Guarding your heart, guarding your heart, and the belt holding up your pants, amen? You need truth to hold up your pants right there so your pants don't fall down and embarrass yourself. you got to know the Word of God, amen? Now it says to fit your feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So put on the shoes of the gospel of peace so that wherever you go, you're bringing the gospel that brings shalom, that brings peace, amen? Come on. In addition to this, take up your shield of faith. Come on, how many got a shield today that are going to extinguish what? The flaming arrows of the evil one that you have faith that protects you from what the enemy is sending against you. Now take the helmet of salvation. Put that on. And then what? The sword of the spirit, the opposite hand of your shield. Come on, so I got my shield here. I got my sword here. Come on, which is the word of God. And then everybody go like this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Amen. You may be seated. You all, you all ready? Amen. You all ready to do some spiritual warfare? So I am not good with dates and times, so please do not quote me on dates and times, but I want to summarize something that the Lord did in, a, in us and through us as a church and how this is working out as we then get into spiritual warfare. Somebody say spiritual warfare. Thank you. I know Brother Daryl, one of our deacons, if he can raise his hand, please. Lauren there, his wife, Catherine, or Daryl's wife, Catherine, raise your hand. Kind of went out of order there. Thank you. I know they were there. I know Andrew in the back was there. Would you raise your hand, please? Thank you. Andrew, he's another deacon, or elder, rather, in the church. And so this is what happened, I believe, roughly about two years ago, well before what we had with COVID happened. I was in my prayer closet, and and normally we use that as a church phrase to just mean we were praying, but not with me. I was literally in my closet praying. Somebody say a prayer closet. So if you ever read the Bible want to know what it is, let me just help you know what it is. A prayer closet is a closet you pray in. Has anybody ever prayed in their closet before? Now, I do have a walk-in closet, so don't feel so bad for me. It is kind of spacious in there, but I was in my prayer closet in pitch darkness, listening to worship music, just praying and going after the things of God. Within a few moments, I felt the presence of the Lord come in a unique way. Now, this is where we as Pentecostals and Spirit-filled people have to make sure we do not freak people out around us, and we do not turn into granola Christians, fruit, nuts, and flakes, but we do need to explain what is happening in a way that's with the Bible and encourages encounters with God. How many believe God still comes in special ways? 
Amen. So I know that he's always with me. I know that he's always beside me and inside me. He's before me. He's behind me. I understand that that's part of my theology as what we would call an evangelical. But what makes us unique as Pentecostals is that we also believe in outpourings of the Spirit that can be unique and have a certain reason and a purpose. This is initiated by the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking other tongues. That's something that we cherish as Pentecostals. We can trace it through church history. We are not a new movement. We are a movement that has come in and out of popularity throughout Christianity, but in through uh, in and through church history, we have always been there as a people who believe in the Spirit. And that's something that I teach in Bible college, and I can recommend books on that. Vincent Sinan is a popular author that has spent time studying the Pentecostal charismatic history of the Christian church, and also we trace it in the book of Acts. Have you heard of that book? Acts chapter 2. So we are not necessarily a restoration movement. I know sometimes Pentecostals use that language, but it does cause confusion. It makes us sound like we're a cult, like the Jehovah Witnesses, like the Mormons, who believe that the church apostatized to the point that the gospel was no longer present, and God had to restore it and do something in the early 1900s. God forbid that was not the heart of our founders, William J. Seymour, an African-American leader, and many others at that time, though that language has sometimes surrounded us. We are not restoring the gospel. We are like the reformers, just reforming the gospel. We are popularizing the message of the gospel in the church age. That's also known as revival. Can I hear an amen to that? But we do not believe the gospel was lost. We do not believe that somehow the church was no longer on the earth. Matthew 16 promised Peter, not the pope, but the disciples with Peter, that the church would be built upon Christ and the gates of hell will not prevail. Okay, can I hear an amen to that? Now, having said all of that, we are a peculiar people. We are a peculiar people. We believe in what God can do in those moments no man can do. So here I am, educated with the doctorate. Okay, I've been to cemetery. And what do I mean by that? Seminary. Y'all know my little joke there. I've been there. I'm here with my doctorate. I understand all of the ins and outs of the theology. But man, God came in that room in a special way within moments. I knew that that was a visitation of the Lord. And so his voice began to speak to my heart. And as I heard God speaking to my heart, I understood his thoughts now coming to me. These thoughts were not my thoughts. And I love to take these moments to just help you as you're learning to hear from God. And so often people are listening to God and they want to hear a different voice come in like Charlton Heston or uh, Morgan Freeman, you know, from, uh, uh, you know, Evan Almighty or what was it? Was it Evan Almighty? Bruce Almighty, thank you. Then uh, was Evan Almighty about, uh, was that part two or am I just making up Evan Almighty? No, that is a part two. Okay, so I'm not totally lost up here on an impromptu sermon. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Try not to embarrass myself. So, you know, you listen to your own thoughts every day. And so oftentimes when we're trying to hear the voice of God, what we're looking for is a different thought to come inside. They have a word for that, and that's called crazy, okay? That's not what we're doing as Pentecostals. We're not listening to another voice to come inside of our brain. We're not waiting for that. Now, God can speak audibly with his voice, as angels have voices, God has a voice, etc. But what we are doing as Pentecostals when we are saying we are waiting on the Lord or hearing from the Lord and, and discerning the voice of the Lord. We're hearing the thoughts that we're used to hearing, but we're wanting to know, is God now speaking to my spirit, and am I now hearing it as thoughts? But they are not my thoughts. They come from his thoughts. Are you listening? Now, those who mock that process cannot be a true Christian because you must believe that God did it at some point because that's how the scriptures were written. Unless you believe that while uh, Paul is writing the scriptures, God God standing over his back going, Paul, an apostle of Christ. Paul, an apostle of Christ. Now write to the church of Corinth, to the church of Corinth. See, if we also in the evangelical community have a true understanding of the inspiration of Scripture, which has been laid out by the Chicago Statement of Scripture, which is the verbal plenary of understanding of inspiration, we would all as evangelicals say that the Holy Spirit moved upon Paul to write down those things as Paul was discerning what was from the Spirit in his own mind and heart. How many understand that's how the Scripture was written? No Mormons around here with golden plates, right? 
we believe that they were speaking even as prophets as the Spirit was speaking to them. So do we believe that Ezekiel had some voice puppeteering through his voice? No. Did Ezekiel hear some strange voice inside of his head as he was prophesying? No. We believe that just as I am talking, they were talking, but the words were being inspired, the thoughts were being inspired by the Holy Spirit. How many believe you're spiritual? How many believe you can hear the things of God? Amen. And also, we believe that we can hear the things of the devil, that spirits can speak to us that are not from God. And that's a different discussion, something similar to what I had uh, already prepared. But let me just say this uh, quickly here, that you could look at your spirit as a radio antenna that can pick up FM or AM. You can hear from God or you can hear from the spirits of this age. And the Bible says that's possible as well. So if you talk to somebody who might think we're a bit strange from the story I'm about to share with you from the prayer closet, let us remind them that those who were inspired to write scripture knew how to hear from God, that the prophets speaking knew how to hear from God, and people in this age right now know how to hear from the devil. How much more so should we learn how to hear from God as well? Amen. Now, the difference between what we hear from God and what the prophets and the writers of scriptures heard from God is that we do not believe our words from God are for you to be binding upon your faith. We believe these personal words from the Lord are exactly what they are. They are personal to the believer or to the group of people hearing these words, and they are to be tested by the infallible word that is binding to all believers. Can I hear an amen to that? In other words, if Ezekiel was going to to have his word tested, it had to come from the previous scriptures. We then believe as a, um, as a New Testament, New Covenant group of believers that the scriptures have now been sealed and canonized, ending with revelation. So any personal word that the Lord would speak to you would have to be confirmed by this and then come with the understanding it is not binding upon all people, but it ought to be taken serious to the people that it was given to. Can I hear an amen for that? Just want to offer some doctrinal clarification. Now here I I am in the prayer closet, pitch black, worshiping, and the Spirit of the Lord comes in a unique way. And at this moment, I begin to hear in my heart the Lord say to me, I want you to speak to the principality over Chicago. Now, I have always heard that teaching. I have always heard it in the circles that I have run in. I have read books about spiritual principalities and powers. It's also seen in the book of Daniel that while he was praying and fasting, he could not receive the answer of prayer from an angel because there was a battle with the spirit that was over that area of Persia and of Babylon, and there needed to get some backup. And I'm telling you, we could go into Daniel, but I just want you to take my word that this has been in the Bible before. Come on. Some may say spiritual warfare. And I have heard this in our modern time. But generally, just the kind of person that I am, I generally take that kind of talk as a little bit Star Wars. Just personally, I'm a little bit skeptical because normally the people that I see that are doing that are not engaged into the actual frontline kind of ministry. It's like, you tell me you wrestle in demons, but you're still not doing the Great Commission. You still haven't gone out and preached the gospel on the streets, but you're saying you're experiencing Star Wars in your your spiritual closet. You got demons and angels all fighting around you and your prayers making the difference. And yet you don't have enough faith to come out here and do something for the Lord. So I have always prioritized those who are obedient to the great commission, those who are obedient to going on the front lines. And then I see how do they, uh, how do they, how, how does the belief of intercession and spiritual warfare impact that? And when I see folks that have a solid life of Christianity, obviously that comes first, Christian conduct, a solid life of ministry to the people where it counts, and then they tell me about spiritual warfare, I'm like, amen. I believe you. Like Sister Betty, could you raise your hand? Sister Betty and Erica spent two nights, or how many, was it two, three nights? Three nights, two nights? Three, two nights, three days. Thank you. I'm going to get it right. Sleeping outside on the west side in tents, praying and interceding, deliver, bringing deliverance to the inner city. How many believe they do real spiritual warfare? Amen. So, when, when I meet sisters like this that talk about intercession and then I see them go sleep on the west side out in a tent, I'm like, you're the real deal. Let's, let's, let's compare notes. 
What, what are you wrestling? What are you dealing with? But I'm just telling you as a normal uh, pastor, I'm skeptical because a lot of people come to me with those things, and it almost seems like they want a position in the church, a hierarchy, but do nothing for the actual community. And so I always, I'm always wary of that, but I love the true servants of God like the sisters I pointed out that had no fear to do that because they knew the, the battle had already been won. Amen? And so here I am in this prayer closet. Some of you have heard it, but I really want to tie it in here. And I felt the Lord say to me, he said to me, do you want to speak to the principality over Chicago? It came as a question. And at that moment, I had to discern in my heart, do I believe that this is a thought from God? Because I believe we can run past what God is saying. Many of you are not hearing what God is saying because you're not stopping to listen. You're too busy listening to your own thoughts that you can't hear his thoughts. You're not taking time to discern your thoughts, test them by the word to see if God is actually speaking. Because some things that you may think are crazy or not from God is actually coming from the Bible. You know, like, you know, like be generous. You're thinking, oh, Satanas, get behind me. I can barely pay my bills. How can I be generous? But Jesus is trying to tell you to give, and it shall be given unto you. Can I hear an amen to that? See, some of you are being told to stay single, but you're like, but I burn, Lord. I inwardly burn, Jesus. I need a spouse, and God is trying to tell you this is not the time. This is not the right one, and you got to be patient. Can I hear an amen for patience and sexuality? And so at that moment, I had a decision to make. Okay, I'm going to let this play out. Either I have a vivid imagination right now, or God is speaking, and I need to listen. And all of my years of ministry, 20-plus years of ministry, educated, you know, in some of the best schools, I knew that the Lord would not lead me into a wrong path and that my flesh, if it was getting a little bit wild and I was getting bored in a dark room, I, I could probably reel it in because the Holy Spirit would help me. In other words, the Holy Spirit's not going to hurt me, and if my flesh is getting out of control, the Holy Spirit's going to bring me back. But I said, yes, I, I want to speak to this Spirit. And at that moment, I was reminded of the scripture, we don't have to turn there, but in Genesis, where we as the human race were given dominion over the earth, where we were given the authority. But because of sin, we lost that authority. Christ came and restored that authority. And if you could just open up a separate tab there, Matthew 28, 19, so the, uh, the saints can see. He said, I have all authority. Now go out and do these things. And what are those things? Those things are to make disciples, baptize those disciples, and then teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Matthew 28, please. Uh, ver moving on down to verse 19. We call this the Great Commission. So as, as I'm about ready to get involved in this spiritual warfare, I, I have in my mind, God is asking me to speak to a principality. And the reason why I believe this is not my flesh, this is the Holy Spirit, is because he put this in my heart of the, of the word that we had had authority and we should have stomped on the devil in the garden, but we didn't. We let him take from us. We should have took from him. We should have just took him by the neck and drug him right out and put him by that seraphim angel and cut him up, amen, or just stomped on his head. But we didn't. And so we lost authority. Jesus came to restore authority. How much authority does Jesus have in verse Verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, if you go back to that passage in Ephesians 6, this is the authority that we're going to be yielding and, and wielding, rather, with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. This is the authority that we have. So in my mind, I understand, if God is asking me now to speak to a principality over this city, that I'm going to be doing it by the Word of the Lord that I'm going to be doing it in the name of Jesus, that I can't do it on my own. Go to another tab. Go to Jude, please. Because even the Bible says that when they were uh, wrestling over the body of Moses, that they had to say, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Go down in Jude here a little bit. When he talks about what had happened over the body of Moses, I don't have it in front of me, so just keep scrolling down. If somebody has the verse, they can shout it out, but I think I got it here. Look at it, verse 8. In, this, in the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. So there was a cult at this time, most likely the Gnostics, that didn't think they needed the name of Jesus to do spiritual warfare, that they could do it on their own gnosis, their own knowledge, and that they then would act tough and say, we can whoop on the devil, we can do whatever, you know, we, calling out the devil, making them look bad, cussing them out. I've even had some Christians pray like that. They get so mad at the devil, they cuss at them. 
blankety blank devil. That's not how you come to the devil, just by the way. Let me just, let me just stop right there. You cussing out the devil is not going to help you, okay? And you telling God to damn everything is not going to help you either, okay? So just watch your mouth. Stop taking the name of the Lord in vain. Stop telling God to damn everything, and don't cuss out the devil. If you want authority, come in the name of Jesus, okay? And come with the Word of God. Because it says these false teachers, they reject authority. See, they reject the authority of Christ. They reject coming in the name of Jesus. But look at verse 9. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, everybody shouted out, one, two, three, the Lord rebuke you. Hallelujah. You have to call upon the Lord, and our Lord is Jesus. Whoever confesses Jesus is Lord. Are you listening to me? He said, if you ask anything in my name, he's not just the landlord. He's not just the Lord of the manor. Uh, manor. He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings, equal to the Father, the one who sends the Holy Spirit. Nobody's like my Jesus. Amen. So the Lord rebuke you, coming in the authority of the, of, of the Lord, going back to Ephesians 6. So I said, yes, Lord. I'm ready to speak to the principality, understanding that I'm coming in the authority of the Lord. I'm coming with his word, and I will now not act foolish, pretending that this is a game, that I'm just going to come come into the presence of whatever this thing is, and now just start pretending like I'm a big shot. The fear of the Lord was upon me, but yet also the boldness of the Lord was there. And at that moment when I said yes to the Lord and all of these scriptures came into my mind that I understood there was authority in Christ, he said, now begin to speak what I have told you to do in this city. Tell him in my name what is going to happen. I want you to hear that right now. And at that moment, I feel the presence of the Lord even here now. But it was so strong at that moment, I just began to shout at the top of my lungs. And the first thing that I shouted out is I said, I said, Satan, because I don't believe we have to know every single name. That's a whole nother thing. The prince of Persia was in Daniel's day. I don't feel like we have to get caught up. You know, is it the prince of Chicago? Is it the sheikh of Chicago? You know, is the president? I don't know, man. I, I just called him by his, his leader's name. I called him Satan, okay? So I said, I said, Satan, and, the, and these words, I'm telling you, came from the Holy Spirit because it wasn't in my heart at that time. The first thing I shouted out is, Satan! We will fill up the stadiums either with the gospel or with our martyrdom. Did you hear what I just shouted out to the principality of this area? In my closet, no joke, I shouted out, I said, we will meet you in the stadiums either to fill it up preaching the gospel or to lay down our lives. And then... The Holy Spirit began to have me just speak what we always believe, you know, making disciples of the nations and that we're going to go to every community. And I, I don't remember everything that I said after that point, but I got it all out in Jesus' name. I preached and prayed, amen. I just kept preaching and praying. And then I felt the Spirit of the Lord just lift off of me and that it was done. And you would think that at that moment, I would have believed that everything that was done in that moment was spiritual. It was, of course, what, it, you know, what I thought it was. No, I actually had doubts. At that moment, I began to think to myself, man, did I just get off into something? Man, what was I into right there? What was I thinking? What was I doing? And I just kind of put that away in my heart, and I said, that's kind of typical uh, for me. I'm weird, and sometimes I just get bored in my prayer time. I'm just being honest with you. I said, but man, it sure felt good. I felt the presence of the Lord. I shouted a whole bunch. I basically committed our whole church to martyrdom. I'm good. Let's just go on. And normally, I just go hang out with my kids and watch a superhero show on Netflix like The Flash, and that was that. But I think something real happened at that moment. I'm going to explain what I think began to happen. But I just want to tell you, in the spiritual, what I believe according to the scripture God was establishing. The Bible says that he gives out talents. How many have heard that parable before, the parable of the talents? 
If you ever think that your job is a joke and you shouldn't take it serious, but you're just going to hallelujah here in church, you don't understand our God. He wants you to take your job just as serious as you take this church. He wants you to do all things as unto him. He wants your worship to not end here, but to continue on to wherever you go this week. He wants you to represent him. As I mentioned Daniel before, you are to be Daniel. You are to be a leader among leaders on your job so that when you get promoted and make others jealous, you give all the glory to Jesus. Amen. And the only way that they can stop you is the way they stop Daniel is to tell you to stop praying for favor. Well, then now you're going to have to throw me in a lion's den because I'm not going to stop praying to my God. And so I just began to realize that at that moment that I think there was a promotion because the Bible talks about he as a manager, as an owner in the parable, handing out these talents. And this is God doing it, I believe, among us. And you can take that so many different ways, that we all get different gifts, but you can then take it as your ministry, that as a life group leader, you were given a certain talent. You can take it as a worship leader. You could take it into your secular job, that you were given certain gifts and abilities. And so I believe that this also applies to pastors and ministers. In other words, I believe that God has been dealing out talents and responsibilities to pastors all throughout this city. But if you know the parable, what happens to the cowardly one who doesn't even put it in the bank, puts it in the ground, what happens to that one? He lost it, and then it's given to what? The one who had the most. I felt that that moment there was some talent shifting over. I don't say this as any disrespect to any other pastor. Most of you know that whenever we talk about the uniqueness of our ministry, the things that we did even during this season, that I always try to clarify because I don't want to fall into the sin of Elijah and think I'm the only one. And you have heard me say this. We're not the only ones. There's people in this city that we don't know about. They're still serving God. Can I hear an amen? That we have not been self-serving through this. I just want to be clear on that because I just dislike when we as Pentecostals get words and callings, we now put other people down and try to make ourselves to be the only ones. We have to be very careful with that language. We are a part of an army. There are many thousands who have not bowed their knee to Baal in this city. I believe that. Amen? But I also believe that that moment of me accepting that mantle to yield, uh, to, to wield rather the sword of the Spirit, I believe that was because some pastors had buried their talent and the Lord had been patient with them saying, I need you to have a voice. I need you to speak up. I need you to get ready to battle this thing. I want to do something in Chicago. And they just kept saying, money, 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 money. That's all they were hearing. And, and then the Lord, they, they didn't hear no word like that. Are you listening? They didn't hear no word about speaking to a principality. They didn't hear a word about going to battle. All they're hearing is money, 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 money. But it took someone in a prayer closet. It took someone pleading for the city because I always pray for the city. It took someone willing to listen. I'm not saying I'm anybody special, but I'm glad that God does special things in me. And I really believe that day that there was some mantles that were dropped. There were some talents that were dug down deep. And God was pulling them out saying, I'm going to entrust this to you now. Because the very next time I went out and preached the gospel, I got assaulted face-to-face, not physically harmed, but verbally assaulted more than I had ever been since I've been in Chicago. It actually, I put it up on Facebook as well. This man screamed and yelled at me, and we tried to get him away from us, but he was obviously drunk and demonized. And then I remember that word. Oh, we picked a fight with the principality. But at that point, I thought to myself, okay, well, maybe this is just the way it's going to be. It's going to be more intense when we start preaching the gospel. But it was only a few months later that COVID broke out. And remember, I had these folks raise their hands. Do you not remember me telling you the story of the principality months before COVID and before our nation needed leadership in the church? And it was at that moment that that word became real. Because when I was showing up here to have services and we had riot police outside of our building, we were being threatened to be burned down. 
when BLM started threatening our businesses and I started looking around at the other churches like, man, who's got our back? Man, y'all got to be going through it too because you preach the gospel as well, right? And I was seeing churches close over COVID, cower over BLM, and only us and a few others. At that moment, I began to realize that this is no longer just a personal thing for us when we go witnessing. There is now a spotlight upon this ministry because there is a battle at foot and the devil knows where to go. The devil knows where to attack and he knows where to send his forces. If he's not messing with you, let me just tell you this in life, if the devil's not messing with you, it's because he's already defeated you. If you are in a battle today, it's because he's afraid of you and the power that you wield in Jesus' name. So let me just encourage some soldiers that may be weary here, do not grow weary in your well-doing because you're doing good and if you do not faint, you shall reap a harvest. You are in a spiritual battle because you have spiritual power. That's why when I was calling around to other churches, they're just sitting on their hands. They're just twiddling their thumbs. Man, we are in the heat of battle like the 300. Are you listening? Because God said now is the time. And at that moment, I realized that spiritual warfare for a city can't just be done alone. That's when I saw others began to stand up from around the nation, from around the city, from other churches, and begin to form a defense, not only just to take the arrows, but to move forward and defeat the enemy. And many of you came even like these brothers have visited because they heard about what God did when a church stood up for the things of God and fought back and won in Jesus' name. Now put that together with the prayer that I was praying today, and then I'll bring some application by God's grace. Help me, Lord, because that mayor could have walked anywhere yesterday. <laughs> we could have been anywhere. We're, we're going after 77 neighborhoods, Mission 77 right now. And yet, there she was, and here we were. And I feel like the traffic, even for those moments, died down or those speakers got louder because she could hear us clearly. She tweeted about us. She sent hand or uh, she sent messages by hand to us that, that could not be dropped in an envelope. It had to be hand delivered to me by the person she sent. Police captains had to meet us here to get those fines signed. It wasn't just officers on the beat. Are you listening? She knew who we were. And for her to be walking by, Right there on the west side, that little tumbleweed blowing on by, that bag of hot chips blowing on by. Mayor Lightfoot! I'm telling you, it wasn't pizza that day in that prayer closet, it was the Holy Spirit giving us a call as a church to stand up against evil. And now to go through this passage for application, would you go to the beginning, please? I want to encourage you in whatever battle you're facing, as we are facing a battle together, not only in this city, but for the nation. When I met my brother here, he said that his church in California is the most fine church in the United States of America. For COVID and staying open, they got fined over $3 million dollars, 3.5? 3. 3. Let's bless the Lord for that church that stood up in the face of adversity. We bless you, brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name. See, those are the boasts that the Christians have now in this hour. We bear the marks of suffering in America. Yes, it's a different mark than the sufferings of Afghanistan. They'll take one of the choppers and bring you up and hang you. That's what they are doing now, set you on fire. But we bear the marks of Christian persecution in America. Continue to lift up our, our brothers and sisters. We're not the only ones. But notice this, that God is calling us to be strong in himself and in his mighty power. Whatever you or I are facing today, it is to be done in the power of the Lord.
And I know we say it as Christians and we sing about it, but we have to learn to live it. Many people I spoke to during this season that were sinning the sin of cowardice still told me they verbally affirmed the things of God and even stood with us. If you count standing 100 feet back, standing with us, then I guess you are standing with us. I just can't see you very well. I want you to stand, listen, man, I wish TJ was here because I got called a racist so much. I stood close to TJ every time I preached that I could smell the bacon on his breath from breakfast. I want you that close to me that I can smell your breath. Are you listening? I don't want you standing with me a hundred feet. Stand next to me. Stand next to someone that needs you in Jesus' name, shoulder to shoulder. But how is it that these Christians, and I still believe God is gracious, many of them are still Christians, but how could they be so cowardly and yet proclaim that they're standing in the Lord? Well, that's just not my calling. You know, that's what y'all had to do. Oh, God told you to do that, brother, every black life matter, but, you know, he didn't tell me. Come on up here, brothers. You have bacon for breakfast? Come on up here, my brother. What'd you have for breakfast, man of God? Pancakes. Amen. I want to smell that pancake, syrupy breath. Because we're talking about standing strong in the Lord, shoulder to shoulders. We stood like this many times preaching, don't we? Because this is how brothers stand together. I'm like, how can a white person call us both racist when I'm sitting here holding my brothers and then this brother's African-American, you know? But that's what we were called, weren't we? And we were shamed for the gospel, but we stood side by side. Let's get up for Brother TJ. Love you. Thank you. That's, That's a man of God right there. And so we need to have people to stand with us, alongside of us, but most importantly, we stand in the Lord. Notice that language, the language of Ephesians, as we have done a sermon series on it, you can go through it in in our records verse by verse, is the theme of Ephesians is in Him, in Christ, in Jesus, in the Lord. We are not just running to Jesus, we are running with Jesus. Jesus is with us. We're not just fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. If you notice, it doesn't say go get your victory, it says stand in your victory. Stand where you know you have already got your ground in Jesus' name. The only time we move from our ground is to go take more ground, to give the devil a headache, amen, to give give him all that he gave back to us times 10 in Jesus' name. And so I want to encourage us to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, not just in talk, but when it matters most. When you get the report that someone that you love has cancer, stand in the Lord. Don't give up your prayer life then. Don't give up, you know, worshiping Jesus then. Worship Jesus on the way to their house. Because so often we feel like these moments come and they hit us in the gut and we lose our breath. I felt it when all of those things were happening. I wasn't thinking to myself, well, I got a word. I've already been told to prepare for this. No, in the moment, I'm afraid. I'm crying. I'm sad. People are leaving. I don't know what's going to happen to my own house. My address is being broadcasted by the haters, right? And so at these moments, you just can't talk it. You have to walk it. And you have to know that your strength comes from the relationship you have in the Lord and in his mighty power. The the Bible says, greater is he that is within you, within you. Somebody say, Jesus is on the inside. And say, the devil doesn't like it, but I'm having a party every day with Jesus. Come on, the devil doesn't like it. But I'm enjoying this relationship inwardly with Christ. I have an inward relationship with Jesus. And greater is he that is within me than he that's out there in the world. And so we have to stay in the Lord. You have to stay in his presence. Maybe you've lost your job or maybe you're, you're fighting the battle over the vaccine or you're going through something with a, a person that you love, a family member. Maybe they're apostatizing. Maybe someone they love has come out as transgender or gay, bisexual, and now they're saying to you that this Bible, you know, is not what they used to think it is. You know, they, they don't believe it like the way they used to. Whatever that is that takes the wind out of you, that makes you feel like you're weak in your knees, you can barely speak. At that moment, you need to start walking in the Lord and stand strong in his power. Don't think that Christianity is just for today when we're shouting with a place full, two services full, and a church that's growing 
saying, you know, I, I've seen the fruit of that battle, and I know it's ongoing. You know, it's easy now for me to shout, but I had to shout when I was in my car driving here when they had to have the bomb squad or the, or the police riot people out there. You see, that's when you keep shouting. That's when you keep standing in your strength. That's when you put on the worship music and say, I trust you, God, even though I'm weak. Can I hear an amen? And then you put it on the armor and you never take it off. Because we do have a devil that is scheming against us. And we shouldn't, as the Bible says in another place, to be unaware of his schemes. He's a scheming devil. And how is he going to come against us? He's going to come against us through relationships. He's going to try to break apart our strong relationships that we have here. He's going to try to break apart your marriage. He's going to try to break apart your friendships. Jesus prophesied this and said, at that time, brother will turn against brother, family member against family member. Your own enemies will come from your house. And how many are now seeing that, that people turning on each other? I love what one post said. If you ever wondered what you would have done with Nazi Germany in compliance, now you know. <laughs> now you know what you would do, right? Because we have so many people just complying for compliance sake, giving up their rights that our forefathers laid down their lives for, that Christian pastors and leaders of all cultures told us to be warned against. And now Christian, non-Christian alike are just giving up every, every inch to the enemy. The Bible says you have to be aware of the enemy's schemes. You can't think it's strange if now you have a hater on the inside of your house. You can't think it's strange if you got somebody stalking your Facebook. That's what they do. They don't have any other weapons except to slander and to accuse. How many know the devil's an accuser of the brethren? And so are his people. All throughout this time, we had different people come up against me, make up lies, say I cheated on my wife. Somebody put my name in a database and found a Joe Y. Rostick that raped a child somewhere in Massachusetts in the 90s. And I'm like, devil, you're a liar and you're stupid. In the 90s, I was preaching the gospel and knowledge, y'all seeing souls saved and disciples made. Praise God. I'm not saying to believe everything. Maybe there is some people that need to be exposed. The Bible says it's going to happen. But be strong when they speak against you. Say all kinds of manner of evil against you. Do you know that they're even doing that now with Jesus? They mock our Jesus. The reason why they hate you and are upset with you is because the devil that they're following is upset with Jesus. They hate the Jesus that's inside of you. Those who want to live a sinful life are in darkness and they don't want the light. And so you and I have to stand our ground. Now the Bible says it's not against flesh and blood, but it involves flesh and blood. How many know that? I mean, you know, uh, Paul could have said to Nero, well, I know you're not my enemy while Nero was beheading him, but Nero became an enemy to him by taking on the, the tactics of the real enemy, the devil. So the flesh and blood is still a part of this battle. You're going to have to talk to flesh and blood. You just can't let them off the hook. You're going to have to preach to them. You're going to have to rebuke them. And they can't even say on judgment day, well, the devil made me do it. All those here today that are not serving God, you can't say, well, you know, I was, I was deceived by the, you know, by the popularity of all these voices and my college professors. You know, the devil deceived me through those people. No, you're going to be held responsible for what you did in your flesh and blood. Can I hear an amen? So even though we're not to take it out primarily on the flesh and blood, we are supposed to defeat their arguments. We're supposed to understand that our battle is behind them. The enemy that's using them, and then we see the four levels of spiritual warfare. We see that there's rulers. We see that there's authorities. We see that there's powers. And then we see that there are forces. Do you see them right there? Come on, somebody say, I see it. Four-tier level of, of, of uh, assignments that come against us. Now, this is where sometimes people go beyond the Scriptures. They try to maybe organize them in ways that are dogdactic and try to say this is the way it has to be. I'm not so sure, but I do know that Satan is organized and that there must be some kind of rank that he uses because I know there are some days where I can just pimp slap a devil, and then there are other days where I feel like I'm wrestling all night long. Is anybody else here like that? Sometimes you just hear a thought and you're like, 
devil, get out of here in the name of Jesus. You just pimp slapped him. You, you just took care of that devil. And there are other times you feel like you are almost like rocky, you bloody, you not, you, you almost falling down. And you just asking Jesus for one more strength, Lord, to throw a punch, Jesus. There are some days you feel like that. Am I right? And so I think there are different levels and there are different devils. That's just the way I say it, in that oftentimes we want to be on that level, but we don't want to face that devil. And you see, that's where I think God called me out that day in a good way. He said, Joe, I hear your prayers to want to see something done in this city. I hear you praying that you want to have my authority and yield it, but you have to understand, for you to go to that level, you got to now meet this devil. Because if you want that victory, you've got to go through that battle. Many of us want to have a victory on earth without going through the battle with the principality that's withholding that victory from us. The Bible says that we have all the victories already won in Jesus' name. We're more than conquerors. But it's our job to go to a toothless lion and get it back in Jesus' name. It's our job to occupy the land. It's our job to do the works of the, of the Lord so that the unbeliever sees that God is with us. And so you and I, we cannot be discouraged by different devils on different levels. I know some of you would be shocked by the confessions that I make to my prayer workers because you might think, Pastor, you shouldn't be tempted that way. No, I get tempted with adultery, but he's not a pibsqueak little demon. It's the real deal coming at me because he knows if he can get another pastor to commit adultery, can I get some amen from brothers on the front line? Any deacon or elder want to be real with me? He sends me that, that big old adultery demon because he wants me to be tempted and enticed so much that it can bring down the testimony of this ministry. Why? Because I'm on a level that a lot of people look up to a marriage now of over 15 years, six children, praise God. No accusations in my family. That's why I love uh, Sister Lauren as she's dealing with all accusations and we take them serious because we will not be blinded by anybody's persona. So if anybody ever has an accusation against me, you can file a complaint with the church. But as she said, boasting in the Lord, you won't find nothing on my pastor. And you see, that puts the fear of God in me because I don't want somebody to say, but I can. See, but there are different, different devils for different levels. And that's why you have to be accustomed to the battle. You have to be accustomed to having on your armor. Paul said to Timothy, you can't live like a civilian and fight in the Lord's army. You're different. You see, not everything is a sin, but some of you can't do it because you got your armor on. Are you listening to me, saints? Come on. Some of you may say, yeah, I know I can watch Netflix for five hours, but I got my armor on. I need to pray for some of those hours. I need to study because I'm in a battle against the devil that will take advantage of me Netflixing all night. We have to know what God is asking us to do personally and what it's going to cost in our personal lives. I'm not saying we can't have fun serving God and doing great things, work hard, play hard, but you have to understand that there are different devils on different levels, and you need to be ready for those kinds of fights and understand that he's not backing down just because you went to church and said a prayer that I want to be a world changer. He doesn't back down. That's why some of the greatest preachers they talked about after their greatest victories, they were tempted the most with their greatest temptations. David Wilkerson and others would talk about after they would see the stadiums filled, after they would do the outreaches, after they would see the signs and the wonders, that then in their hotel room it felt like the hordes of hell was waiting there for them to go to BigHooters.com or to go to that pay-per-view adult channel. Are you listening to this preacher today? I'm telling you the truth. We need to be ready to fight because the devil knows how to come at us when we are tired, when we are, uh, you know, in our victory, thinking that we can't fall. And the Bible says, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. We ought to be serious about this battle, not living in, uh, you know, some kind of fear that we're going to fall, but just taking it serious. Somebody say it's serious. And then the Bible teaches us that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Vinny, would you come, please? And after you've done everything, you need to stand. And so here's what I believe, tying it together from how we started today, praying for the mayor, understanding the call of this church, and what I believe we all need to do in our spiritual battles is that the evil day will come to test what God has given you, but you are able to stand. 
You see, that day in my prayer closet, I was given something. I was given something that was of value to the Lord. I almost felt like if you take that parable to, you know, to its uh, kind of logical end, I kind of see Jesus taking that talent out of the ground that's got high schools on it and college campuses and babies that have not yet been born getting off the dirt cleaning that talent off that is precious to him and then bringing it over to me that day in that prayer closet saying Joe do you value this? This is everything to me. This is my kingdom. Do you want this? That's how I saw it that day. And I believe God is doing that to every single one of us. Do you want this ministry? Do you want this disciple that I'm going to send you? Do you want this calling? Do you want these friendships that I'm going to bring into your life? Do you want this vocation, this place I'm going to bring you? And how dare we look at it and say, this is not what I want. I want something different. This is not good enough for me. When each one of those talents are things that Jesus has shed his blood for. Jesus shed his blood for the unborn children in the abortion. Uh, you know, soon to be aborted. How dare we neglect preaching to them? Jesus shed his blood for all of these high school students, junior high students, elementary students that are going to schools where they literally start off lessons not knowing if they're boys or girls. Jesus gave his blood for Mayor Lightfoot, who's been deceived. And too many preachers have come to her with a hand out instead of a talent already in their pocket saying, I got something for you, Mayor. Do we want to do what God has called us to do, saints? Because this ground that he's put us on is holy ground. Your family ground is holy ground. We were out yesterday talking to a woman. She said she had many children. But yet she still wanted a clause for abortion in the case of rape or different things like that. And her child, her 11-year-old, was with her. And her child started making the argument for her. And then I rebuked the child, and then I rebuked the mother. And then the mother got upset with me. She got offended. And she said, how dare you rebuke me in front of my daughter? I'm her mother mom that's my job and I said but you're not doing your job your daughter thinks it's okay to murder a baby I said you're deflecting and being easily offended so that you can change the subject oh to God you would have taught her these things we are here to win and to fight this battle of worldview to have the belt of truth. We don't take it off. We don't sag our pants. We hold it up. We come country into this thing with a belt buckle, boy. You see that belt buckle shining and glistening in the sun? Boy, that's the truth. Bing! Look at that belt buckle. I'm not dropping the truth for anybody. Righteousness, righteousness is still the guard of our heart. Righteousness is what protects your emotions. Righteousness is what helps you from freaking out. Right living, being like Jesus will guard everything precious on the inside of you. Don't drop your breastplate. Don't let things into your heart, for out of your heart flows the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Guard your testimony. The testimony that God has given you, the devil wants to take in a moment. Guard your heart with righteousness. Put on your feet.
the gospel of peace so that when you show up, the atmosphere changes. When you show up, there can't be confusion. Where you show up, there can't be turmoil. Where you show up, there is shalom. There is a calming of the storm. When you show up, the words you speak change the atmosphere, change the thoughts of people. They'll come at you angry. They'll try to make a fuss, but you stay in peace. You stay in the perfect peace of God. Even if you have to turn a temple upside down like Jesus and call people sons of the devil like he did in other places, you do it from a place of perfect perfect peace. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. Let us be known as peacemakers. Let us be known as those who bring peace to the streets. That's why we have to walk on the streets. People say to me all the time, well, Facebook works better than street ministry. I do this on Facebook. I get more people than when I hand out flyers. But your your Facebook doesn't bring peace. Your Facebook advertisement doesn't bring peace. But when we walk down diversity, when we walk down Cicero, when somebody sees us in our eyes, when we walk down Belmont and Clark, they see peace. They saw peace yesterday on Madison and Pulaski. Every person who walked by saw peace in us, brother. Because we're walking in the gospel. It's not our flesh. Our flesh is just like their flesh. But in the gospel, we have perfect peace. That's why we had to go stand at a pole this past Tuesday at high schools to pray and bring peace through the youth ministry. That's why we have to go. So they will know the peace of God. And you got a shield. It's the shield of faith. That's why when you think about it, every doubt you have is an attack on your faith. That's why you need to grow in your faith, strengthen your faith. Faith comes by hearing in the Word of God. Keep hearing the Word of God. Put it on. Listen to it. Be building yourself up because unbelief will try to tear it down. Before the devil can ever get to your heart, you have to drop your shield and your breastplate of righteousness. That's why whenever you listen to a story of deconversion, what does it always start with? It always starts with the doubts that they had, just like the devil sowing that seed in the garden and like he did with Jesus or tried with Jesus. Did God say? You listen to John Piper's son on TikTok. He's a raging atheist. He'll he'll get you to think of these doubts that he had and the reason why they were so impactful into his life, into other people's life, some of these lead singers of worship bands or different pop Christian songs, the reason why those attacks were so effective is because they let down the guard. They put down their faith. Any one of us can be deceived if we don't stay strong in the things of God. Can I hear an amen? And then our one weapon against the enemy is the word of God. On the word of God I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. It is a light before my path. Amen. Follow the word of God in situations. When you don't know what to do, just follow the word of God. You know what I thought to myself as Mayor Lightfoot came by? I said, I'm just going to do like what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist spoke out to adultery in Herod's family, and I just spoke out against what she had been doing to oppressed churches. You just stand on the word of God. You don't know what to do. You just go right back here to the, to the playbook. The basic instructions before leaving earth, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Does anybody else got a playbook today? We We have an answer. And then what do we do? We just keep praying. We preach, pray, and we just keep plugging away. We don't stop bombarding heaven with our prayers because like it said in Isaiah, though at times the heavens may feel like brass, God will rend the heavens and come down. He will pour out blessings on this nation. There was a reason why slavery ended, and it was found here in this book when people took it seriously and took it to the streets and preached and lived by it. Abolition came, and God will do it again. There was a reason why the Bible Belt was started. That was because people had on the belt of truth and went circuit preaching all throughout the nation. And I believe God will do it again, and a new Bible Belt right here in Chicago will be the buckle 
of the new Bible Belt in Jesus' name. Can you stand up? Give it up for Jesus today. Somebody say, let's get it on. Come on, let's get it on in Jesus' name. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Band and altar workers, let's come in closing and prayer. Father, I thank you that you gave us victory. If you have victory in Jesus' name, just thank him now. But if you don't have it, I'm talking to you as the others are thanking him. If you have not yet been born again or you're living in defeat with a besetting sin, call on Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life today. Ask Jesus to come into your heart to change you. Confess your sins and confess him as the Lord who was crucified, buried, and rose again. Come on, those of us who are already saved, thank him right now for victory. Those who are searching for an answer, come to him right now. You shall find him. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you shall receive a relationship with Jesus Christ. As we are thanking him for victory, those of us who already have it, thank you for victory. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit, for shedding that blood, for, uh, for applying that shed blood of Jesus on my heart today. Father, thank you for sending the Son. Son, thank you for coming. And Holy Spirit, thank you for applying what he did. If you want to be born again, ask the Spirit to make you new in Jesus' name. If you're already born again, thank him for victory. In a few moments, we'll dismiss. We'll have prayer workers up here for you to receive prayer. But in just a few moments, I want us to turn to intercession before we dismiss and start to wage war like I did in that prayer closet that day. I want us to call out the things of the enemy knowing that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and believing God that the strongholds will be broken over this city and nation and the nations of the world. Are you ready to start praying? If you need personal prayer, feel free to come up even now. But the rest of us, come on, start confessing right now your victory over the areas of the enemy and command him to stop in Jesus' name and to rend his attacks right now to be fruitless and powerless in Jesus' name. Father, I come in the name of Jesus and I ask for purity to come to our young people, holiness upon the land. I pray today, oh God, for the violence to end, for there to be peace on our streets. I, pre I pray for false doctrine to stop being preached in these churches and in these mosques and in these other places of worship and for the, the true God to be worshiped, for the true teachings of God to be taught today. I pray for politicians to be righteous, for judges to rule righteously with righteous laws in Jesus' name. I pray for businesses to rid themselves of greed, for generosity to come across this land. Woo! In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray for families to be built up, mothers and fathers and marriages, children obeying their parents. 